Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and today I am weaving creativity through all of my guests. They all are massively creative people that I admire, and you are going to be so excited to get to know them. I'm just thrilled because I've been working a little bit with Tammy Tetero, and now I get to talk to her. Yay! So Yay. if you've been doing, yes, if you've been doing the yes. Button Club number three, you've been seeing Tammy's adorable outfit bit as one of the options where you can use your buttons. Thank you, Tammy, for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Pat. I'm so excited to join you. You know, tell me a little bit about your background, because you told me your mom is a full-time artist. Uh, did that really, like, did that sort of absorb into you as a kid, or you're like, oh, that's what mom does? Well, she's retired now, but when I was growing up, she was a, a full-time artist. Um, she painted miniatures, but uh, she was just a creative person. My dad's a creative person, and so our house was always full of art, all kinds of um, art supplies and, and craft supplies. And so my mom sewed, and she did needlework and all types of things. And so I was always around that and always had that um, thinking of if it, there was something I wanted to play with, that I could make it. So I was always making things for my Barbies and making clothes and furniture and repurposing things. And I even drew my own paper dolls because I wanted to play um, Little House on the Prairie with paper dolls because I love <laughs> Laura and Almanzo. So I drew my own. And I even, um, Laura needed a buggy. So I even fashioned um, a buggy that worked. It had wheels that rolled out of a shoebox and wire hangers and some vinyl off of an old person, so it had a canopy that came up and down and stuff. And I was oh, probably my goodness. <laughs> maybe 10 or so. I mean, yeah. so I just was always, um, always really felt enabled to just make, make what I wanted to make. That, you know, I just, I love hearing that people started early like that. Like it's sort mm-hmm. of inbred almost. Like you can do anything, right? You just see yep, it and you're absolutely. just like, do it. You know, you've done a lot of different creative things, um, but you also, you came from a pretty uh, busy uh, day job, your first career. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when you left that, you were a 911 dispatcher. And when you left that, mm-hmm. um, did you decide to just do something totally different? Well, I had always been um, making on the side, being, um, you know, whether um, I, I worked for a long time in paper crafts and making mm-hmm. sample projects and design teamwork and teaching. And I always did that on the side, but I never um, really knew how to make that a career. And, and for part of that time, I was a single mom, so I really needed a um, a real income. And so mm-hmm. um, being a dispatcher did that for me, but it was never my passion. So, you know, it was always an, an end to an, a means to an end. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> you know, but once I got to a point where what I was, when I was traveling and teaching or the design work I was doing for brands, um, and then even an opportunity to design my own product, when that became real enough that I thought I could take that leap. And by that time I got remarried and, um, honestly, for my own sanity, I just knew I had to take that leap. And so mm-hmm. I just did it, just a leap of faith. We just knew it had to be done. And, and thankfully, things have always 
fallen in place that have um, allowed me to continue doing that. You know, what you're doing now and what the work I, you know, I sort of met you when you are in this mode, uh, which is you're doing a lot of, you know, you have a love of applique, uh, a love of text, both of which I just, you know, we're like kindred <laughs> spirits there. But you're also doing a lot with wool. What you do, how did you get involved with the wool? Well, you know, I've always loved fabric and hand sewing and machine sewing and um, I've I've sewn at a machine since I was probably about 9 or 10 I'd sneak and get on my mom's machine she probably doesn't know that Um, (laughs) but um, I always um, incorporated a lot of those things into my paper crafts when I could Um, Mm -hmm. so um, about two years ago it's almost been two years ago I happened to meet some people who are local to me and I'll, I'll probably end up telling you a little bit more about that because it's a fun story, but um, they introduced me to wool. And when I looked at the projects they made, I, there just was something in me that said, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now. It, mm-hmm. it was just, and maybe that sounds a little silly, but it just spoke to me in such a way that I, and I felt kind of like a little burnout with paper and kind mm-hmm. of like I was wandering a little bit and trying to find where my next place was supposed to be. And I, I just felt it right then, and I was like, okay, whatever I do, I, I feel like this has got to be a part of it. So um, I was, I was working illustrating stamps at the time. So, mm-hmm. so much of my stamp and my drawing style really, really um, works well with applique design. So it was an easy transition for me. You know, I love that that you you're like more like an illustrator I would call you know like you have mm-hmm. you're an artist I mean you draw things may I look at your the work that you have on your site and it's it does translate so well into applique how would you describe your style for those who you know wouldn't haven't seen it yet I kind of like to think it's it's very feminine and vintage. Um, those are things I love. I love feminine colors. I love vintage styling. But I also like to think that it's a little bit modern. I kind of like to call it French vintage. Fresh vintage. <laughs> I don't know if that yeah. makes any sense, fresh mm-hmm. vintage. But, um, you know, it's got that hint of something old and something old-fashioned, but it's current. You know, a lot of applique is very primitive and dark-colored, and, and mm-hmm. I'm really into... Um, pastels and brighter colors so that's what I'm trying to bring to it well you know there's some projects like I'm looking at your linden applique pillow which has the word love and it has um Mm -hmm. you know like wool little wool flowers you know how do you get that sort of texture with those flowers because it's not all locked down flat like traditional applique is done oh I love things very dimensional um so a lot of times I use um, like a heat and bond on the back of my wool, even if I don't plan to fuse it flat. I like it because it adds structure to it. And so maybe I only sew it in the middle or maybe add just a few detail stitches. But the more dimensional I can make things, the better, I think. You know, in my book, things don't need to be flat. So I I try, (laughs) try not to go there. But you do a lot of smaller. What do, what do you have a word for that? What do you call your small uh, projects? I like to think of it as bite-sized projects. Oh, yes. It's perfect. Because, yeah, I um, I think a lot of people are like me. You have a limited amount of time to create, and you just have that need to create. So if I can start and finish a project in a set amount of time, whatever that 
time limit is for me, you know, before I get bored with it or maybe, you know, I've run out of time to create. I love the feeling of completing something. So um, being able to start and finish something just really satisfies that creative need in me. So that's why I try to create projects that people can do, you know, start to finish. Start to finish. Yeah, they're not overly complex. And that, that works well mm-hmm. with wool because mo- most projects are smaller with wool. You know, it's a yeah. – they tend to be that way. Now, how did now? I've known you. I've known you for a little while now, but I also, uh, of course, we're working together with the buttons. And how did you uh, end up meeting the and in, in getting involved with the uh, just another button company? Oh, it's such a fun a fun thing. Um, so this is what I alluded to a minute ago. Um, two years ago at um, ASCI, the former CHA trade show, I was there. Um, I've been designing stamps and dies for um, a company. And so just a couple aisles over, just another button company was there. And um, that was the year this massive sleuth swept through, and I didn't ever leave our booth. I never wandered around. But somebody I know posted photos from their booth, and I saw them on Facebook, and I was like, oh, this is so cute. I love this. I always loved buttons and Mm -hmm. so I happened to notice that it said they were in Troy Illinois which is just like two towns away from where I live and I was like oh my gosh they're neighbors so I started following them on the Facebook and um right before um quilt market was in St. Louis I guess that was uh spring a year ago spring they were cleaning house and they offered on their Facebook page um some bags of wool scraps Mm-hmm. And I misunderstood and thought it was wool felt, which oh. I use a lot in paper crafts. And so yeah. I was like, I'll take those. <laughs> yeah. And I I ran up there and I met them. And, of course, I learned it was wool. <laughs> and yes. um, that's where I saw these amazing samples of things that had been made in wool. And I was in love. And so um, I drive a Mini Cooper. And we literally <laughs> stuffed my Mini Cooper um, from floor to ceiling <laughs> with bags and, and bags of wool and wool scraps. And because I work small and I do a lot of die cutting, um, you know, of small flower shapes, their scraps mm-hmm. were the perfect size for me. And so um, I'm driving home and I, I can't even see out the back of my car because there's so much in there. And I thought, wow, this is wool. Felted wool, not wool felt. And so I got right on Pinterest when I got home and started looking at what people were making. And that was that moment that I was like, Mm -hmm. wool, this is what I'm supposed to be working with now. And so I don't, I've barely even touched paper since then. (laughs) I just fell so in love with it. So. Well, I think our our community now is happy that you found wool because your projects are so so adorable. Um, oh, I just yeah, they're just. I'm like, oh, I want to make all of them. Can you give me a tip? Uh, we have about about a little over a minute. Can you give me some um, tips for that you like to do? Something you like to do? Well. One of my favorite things right now, because all my patterns are digital, and so I have to print them all to use them, and because I put heat and bond on on the backs of practically every piece, mm-hmm. um, I use these heat and bond easy print sheets from ThermoWeb, and so I can print them. I print my pattern right on the back of the easy um, of the heat and bond, and then mm-hmm. I fuse it right onto the back of my wool, and then I cut my shape out. So it is such a time saver for me. And, you know, when you're talking about bite-sized projects, the, best, the most time efficient you can be, the further, the more you can make, right? So right, right. I love that that product is a huge time saver for me. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people haven't discovered that there's the sheets that you can run through your printer. And you have to use an inkjet, right? Yes, you do have to use an inkjet, and you have to flip your image. But it tells you how to do that on the package, and it is so easy to do. Super easy. Yay, yay. Well, yeah. Tammy, Tammy, this has been fabulous to get to know you. Oh, it's so great to talk to you, Pat. And, and everybody all your listeners. <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody's like, yay, now we know Tammy. Okay. She's our new best friend. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Get six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I'm just a huge fangirl. Amanda Niederhauser of Jedi Craft Girl has been on the show before, and I haven't had her on for a while, although I've stalked all her posts everywhere on the Internet. And so I just I told Amanda, I said, you need to come back and tell me what all you're doing lately. So, uh, hi, I'm glad you're here, Amanda. Hi, I'm super excited to be here, too. You know, you have you are so creative, and um, you know you've done a lot of work for American Patrick and Quilting's magazines. You do a lot of crafty projects. You know, you know how how are you coming up with ideas all the time, Amanda? Well, um, you know, I love fabric. That's why I quilt. That's why I sew because I just love <laughs> fabric. I love all the new designs and anything that's new. And I just get so excited that it inspires me to design a quilt or design a tote bag or design a pillow or whatever it is. Fabric just mm-hmm. speaks to my heart. And that's where I get inspired from. So I have a question. Now, I may have not told you I was going to ask this one, but it's easy. It's an easy question because it just popped into my head. I'm like, you know, I... <laughs> I, you know, I love fabric too. That's the only reason I quilt, like, so I can have fabric. And when so yes. much, yeah, like when so much good stuff comes out, Amanda, like you see like 20 different things. You're like, oh my gosh, I want to make something with all of them. How do you personally sort of focus down and then actually complete that whole project? Because sometimes there's so much that's fun to work with. Right. And you can get overwhelmed. And I used to be the kind that was, I would buy every new line that came out with all the good intentions that, yes, it's going to be a quilt. And then I'd realize that that's just not going to happen. Like, we can't make 40 new quilts every six months. Right. <laughs> so I'm, 
I pre- I'm pretty good about knowing what I love and what I can do and knowing myself and, you know, my strengths, my limitations. So if I love it that much to buy it, I will make a quilt with it. Mm-hmm. So you do, do you kind of then just get started pretty soon after you've, it's come into your, into your workspace? I try to because, you know, if it sits, then the next new thing is out and then you mm-hmm. forget about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's what happens to me. It's like I was talking to, I think it was actually Kimberly at the Fat Quarter Shop who said, like, it needs to come in. I need to sew with it right away or it just doesn't Right out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, and it's so fun. And that's why it's addicting, right? Because it's mm-hmm. just, there's a new fix right around the corner. <laughs> oh, always, always. I'm watching your, your swell Christmas quilts go by, and I'm like, I could make that. That's an easy one. I could I could use that fabric. That's really cute. Um, yeah, and that also, you know, and my quilt designs are more on the simple side. I don't like too complicated because I want to be able to do it in a day or a weekend or mm-hmm. a week at the most because there's so many things I want to make that I don't want to spend six months on on one quilt. I am very impatient and always want to be on to the next thing. And I like things I can get done in a reasonable amount of time. You know, so we were chatting before this, um, you know, before we talked to Amanda, and, and I told you that I really admire how positive you are about your your work and about learning. And uh, you had some, you know, you learned uh, to quilt and uh, quite a while ago now, but you had some interesting things that sort of happened. Can you share that? Because I think it helps people to to see that we don't need to kind of be, we can be real positive about learning. Sure. Yes. I like to share my first quilting experience. (laughs) I had just gotten married. So I was about 19 years old and uh, a group of ladies in our church were getting together to make this cute little wall hanging project. And it was a theme print fabric with borders around it. So pretty simple in the quilt world, but to someone who hadn't quilted, um, it was a new experience. And as I was sewing my borders on the lady in charge came around and was saying, oh, everyone's quarter-inch seams look so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at my project, and my (laughs) seams did not look amazing. And I knew (laughs) she wasn't talking about me. (laughs) And I kind of was like, oh, mine's the worst here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I could have taken that as, gosh, I'm not cut out for this. This is too hard. I'll never be good enough. But I kind of took it as a challenge and just I can be better. I can practice. I want to learn. I want to get good at this. Mm-hmm. And even a few years later, tackling my first star quilt, I cut off every single point on those stars, every point. <laughs> and you know what? I yeah. I didn't quit. I right. just was like, I'm going to get better at this. So I think it's important that we just accept where we are and that we're progressing and for sure not compare our journey with someone else's. Because that's not yeah. what quilting's about, right? That's that's so true. That's so true. And everybody's in a different spot where they're learning. Just like you, the, you right away said, like you were maybe the only person who was just learning. Everybody else had already done something before. So right, yeah. yeah. You never, yeah, you never know where people's backgrounds are and their learning styles. So I just love to know that 
you know, you everybody kind of can, can get past that. Just keep right. moving. Keep moving. Yeah. So, um, okay, so we're going to switch gears. You have some um, lovely inspectors, you, you know, like your inspectors for your quilts, your kitty. Do you have two kitties yeah. or one kitty? I just, we have Mufasa. I call him baby oh. Mufasa or Mufi. <laughs> and he's our, he's my one kitty right now. And uh-huh. he loves to sew. He is the happiest when I'm in the sewing room. He yeah. is just. I don't know. He loves it. He just can't get enough of being near me and just being so content and sleeping on piles of fabric and quilts and getting in the way. He just getting loves in the it. way. <laughs> it, I know. Well, you share a lot of him. Is a him, right? On yes, uh, it's a boy. on your Instagram, He's a right? And yeah, does yeah, he have his he own takes, Instagram page, or you know, no? We just kind of share. Okay. <laughs> Oh, now you did an adorable project with a with a cat on it. It's one of your patterns, right? Right. I think that's the one that's on the the little picture. It's uh, black cats with orange pumpkins, and it's one of my favorite Halloween quilts that I've ever done because it's cats and yes. it's pumpkins. Yeah. So it's really fun. When you're doing like you're sewing, do you have a tip? One of the one of the things that you like to do for your patchwork. Um, well, I'm highly unorganized, so I don't <laughs> think I'll give any organizational tips right now. I can use them myself, but I do. Um, I have a a bar stool that I put at my ironing board, so it's comfortable because mm-hmm. you can be pressing a long time when you're making a quilt, and. I've started, if they're smaller pieces, I just started pressing seams open rather than try to figure out, okay, which side is going to lay nicer, the dark or the light. If it's mm-hmm. a large quilt with big pieces, it's, you can press to the dark. But smaller things, triangles, I've been pressing open and it takes more time, but I'm happier with how it looks. That's interesting because then you just don't have to think about it. Right. I had, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that as a reason you know I know with little patchwork I do it for sure because it's just too bulky you know it gets right yeah kind of crazy um right and something something else that that I've been doing is trying to make my half square triangles a little bit bigger and then mm -hmm. squaring them up so they're perfect yeah that that that's just making it Right, the size that it comes out. So I've noticed that helps. Just the accuracy for sure helps. When you're accurate at the beginning, the quilt just comes together so much nicer, right? It does. It does. And and everybody's happier in the long run. I yes. think you know there are people who, who just are sort of very free spirits and you know, off they go. But a lot of us wanna eventually get things that have that nice crisp edge to them and that's what that does for you. That a little bit, little bit of precision. That's <laughs> right, and it takes a little more time at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it saves you time mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end. With all your quilts that you do, are you journaling, or do you keep any kind of notebook to keep track of what you work on? Well, my I started my blog kind of as a way to keep track of measurements and projects I would do so I could refer back to, to the pattern or the tutorial, mm-hmm. and I find that I... I use my blog a lot just for myself. Okay, what was that pattern? Okay. And it, it's mm-hmm. a good sign when you can follow your own pattern that you wrote two years ago right. when it still comes out. <laughs> but I also keep just a notebook 
whenever I'm doing any designing or creating, I write everything down, every measurement, how many cuts I made, just so when I go to write the pattern, I have it all there. Um, then I don't have to recreate it as I'm writing a pattern. I've got mm-hmm. every every single cut, measurement written down in a very scribbly notebook. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm a very disorganized notebooky person. Uh I always admire people who like have like oh these really nice, you know, like in sequential order. I'm like I think there's a napkin stuck in there, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, a folded up piece of paper and right. yeah, the back, back of a receipt. Yeah, it's right. all there. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So the other thing I admire, and I know we don't have tons of time, but, uh, you know, you do a lot of decorating and you share that. You share your pictures of how you decorate within your home, with your quilts. Um, You know, do you have like this, a whole room devoted to like switch, you know, that you can store all this stuff because you have (laughs) such cute stuff. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Well, I like to decorate with with quilts. So there's quilts hanging in every room of my house. I feel I devote so much time to this and it's my interpretation of art. I don't paint or do other things and it makes me happy and I switch them out. I'm always rotating them based on the season and they're flopped over banisters and folded in shelves and tossed on the couch. So Mm -hmm. it just makes me happy. I love walking into my house and seeing 10 quilts just when you can walk in. And I don't know, it, it, make, it brings me joy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I have them hanging everywhere. I think one time I counted and there were like 30 pieces hanging or somewhere <laughs> yeah, in the house. Yeah, it's easy to do. Right. Do you, uh, so what is a, a, a different way that you've displayed something? Do you have some, you know, like you're like, oh, I tried this and it looked really good? Um. Well, I do have, I mean, this is nothing earth-shattering and new, but I have a few of my great-grandmother's quilts, and I never knew her, but she was a quilter, and I have inherited some of her quilts. So when you walk in my house, I have this tall um, wall that goes, it's like a two-story, and so up on that wall when you walk in is this navy blue and white patchwork quilt that I've hung of hers, and I hung it with a curtain rod and curtain clips. Mm -hmm. So it to help not distort the quilt as much with just a few pins or to mm-hmm. add anything to it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite things in my house. I've hung quilts with clothespins and command strips. That works pretty well. Um, I like to, sometimes I've just thumbtacked ball quilts to the wall. You know, right. that, that yeah. works too. <laughs> I know. Shush, let's not tell anybody. Yeah, no. Straight pins, you know, like those little tiny applique pins, Amanda, have you? Yes. Do you have? Yeah, they are really good because you can barely see them, but I have to put like a thimble on to push them into the wall because they're so tiny. Yeah, they're hard to get in. Yeah, they hurt my finger to push them. It's like, but they're really little. So we just moved um, just a year ago. It feels like we just moved. And so I finally have my own sewing space, which I've never had my whole life. And I'm very thankful for it. But I've been able to hang all my mini quilts up in this space. And I've loved filling every single square inch of the room with, with small quilts. It's been fun. Thank you, Amanda. This has been so much fun. Yes, it's been so fun. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quiltalong to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. Um, just so that you know how to get to Amanda, she's at JediCraftGirl.com. Now, I meet a lot of really wonderful, creative people through the Baby Lock um, group of ambassadors. There's people who just sew. There's people who quilt and sew. There's you know all kinds of different people, and it's amazing when we get to spend a few days together once a year and get to know each other a little bit more and learn about the creativity that's out there. And so I am very excited because the second half of the show, we get to chat, or I get to chat with Russell Conti. And he has been a shop owner. uh, He's a designer. He's a teacher. And there's just so much exciting stuff that uh, Russell does. So Russell, thank you for making time for me. Hey, Pat. Thanks for having me. It's great to talk with you. Are you like, are you at teaching right now? Because you're teaching at the university. Is it like school started? Oh, yeah. School has started. Uh, but no, I am sitting at my enormous cutting table right now, which happens to be also the island in my kitchen. Oh. I was cutting out a jacket for a new suit. <laughs> Islands are wonderful, <laughs> aren't they? They're very multi purpose. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think that was the intention initially. I'm not sure my partner agrees with it, but it's the right height, it's the right size, and it just works. Yeah, I mean, so many people sew in the kitchen. It's amazing. They tell me all the time. <laughs> yeah, they take over exactly. the dining room. So we can understand the dining room, but the kitchen, it's like, okay. Um, so, Russell, you have a very deep, rich, creative back background, and I'd love for you to just tell me a little bit of backstory about – um, you know, were you creative as a kid? Did you go to college and, and do something there? You know, t- just tell me a little bit, a little of the backstory. Oh, gosh. I, I guess I was creative as a kid. I really never thought of myself as an artist so much. But more than that, I was just a, I was one of those children that if I were born today, I'd be medicated. You know, I bounced <laughs> off the walls. And they were always looking for ways to keep me busy. And uh, so I think my first, you know, I was always drawing. I was always crafting. I was always doing something with my hands. Mm-hmm. and um, I was quite impatient, so, you know, it wasn't about the pr- process, it was about the results, and if it wasn't oh. done in a minute, I was done, yeah. and on to the next thing, <laughs> just like every other kid in the world, and um, yeah. I never really latched on to anything particularly, 
Um, but I think in the fourth grade, as I recall, there, the school secretary, I think what they were trying to do is simply keep me out of trouble because I was a, as wonderful as a student I was. I, as I look back on it, I think I was a wonderful student. In reality, I don't think I was such a wonderful student. Um, but I think they were just trying to keep me out of trouble, and she taught me how to knit. And so oh. I, I would be in the secretary's office dutifully knitting away um, during recess and stuff like that, probably, like I said, just to keep me out of trouble. <laughs> and um, that lasted a few weeks until I got bored with that. And then, you know, I started moving on to other things. But growing up, boys didn't sew. They didn't, and, you know, in my world, they didn't play piano. They didn't dance. Um, and those were all the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So when I snuck away to college, it was far enough away that I couldn't get, you know, I couldn't commute on weekends. Um, yeah. I actually majored in dance. I danced professionally until I was about 30. Mm-hmm. And somehow dancing led into costuming because I couldn't stand the costumes. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was always certain I could do something better. Even if I couldn't, I was convinced I could. Mm-hmm. So that kind of led me into sewing. And then that led me into costuming, which just, yeah. that's kind of how the whole thing kind of catapulted forward. You know, I'd like and to. And sewing is to, the one thing I really stuck with. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I'd like to just talk about one of the things that um, you and I have talked about a little bit beforehand was that you always had a feeling like that you could just do this. You could just do anything. You know, sort of like Tammy earlier on was saying, like, you know, she had this creative family. She just made stuff. Like you, you never really felt like you couldn't do something. So, like, when you didn't, when costumes weren't, like, working for you, you just sort of, figured out how to design your own? Yeah. Um, well, and I also grew up in an area where, you know, if you wanted to do something, you learned how to do it. There wasn't, we didn't have classes. We didn't have things like mm-hmm. that. I remember one time we actually moved to this little bit more um, affluent neighborhood and I was in the band and um, I was playing my saxophone dutifully and other kids were saying, well, don't you have a private tutor? I was like, oh. a what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. So we were just, if we wanted to learn something, we just, you know, you bucked up and you did it. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of the, the way I was taught and raised. And so, and then I will just sit down and I will tinker at something until I get it right. I'm, I don't care about getting it right. I think that, that that's the biggest thing is most people want to be perfect immediately. Mm-hmm. I, at this point in my life, I'm much more pleased. I loved the results, but I'm also a process driven person. So I actually like the process now. And if it's not right the first time, cool, we'll try it again and we'll try it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, it's a different shift, isn't it? From getting it fast to enjoying the process. Absolutely. Cause now I, I enjoy the process and I love the results. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing I love about sewing is simply that, you know, at the end of the day, even as expert as you may become, you'll never be truly an expert. There is always something else to learn mm-hmm. and there's some other avenue to explore. So I just love the way it has, you know, it engenders my creative process. I can always find something else that I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk about shoes before this day is over. We're going to talk about <laughs> shoes. I'm just fascinated <laughs> with the shoe making. Russell makes shoes, oh. leather shoes, the real shoes like you would yeah. wear. That's like, so, so. <laughs> So, Russell, you started out with a fairly inexpensive machine, uh, you told me, like most of us do. Um, and, oh, yeah. Yeah, and you wanted to, at some point, you were, like, going to upgrade that. And that's when you did, what did you think, can you remember back when you when you went into the fabric store to look at machines and realize, like, what a difference they were from little inexpensive ones? Yeah, well, for me, you know, because I was raised in an era where, you know, um, you, everybody, you know, you bought your, all your appliances at Sears, you bought all your clothes at Penny's. Right. 
It never right. occurred to me to look anywhere else for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my first few machines came from Sears and they were always, you know, they were $200 for at that time was a lot of money for me. And the idea of any spending any more than that was just obscene. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't justify the cost. And I didn't understand that, you know, cross in many contexts, particularly in the sewing world, cost follows price point. Mm-hmm. And so then when I was, I had had a, a costume I was trying to fix and the buttonhole cams on my machine crashed and burned. And so I went out looking for a sewing machine that did buttonholes. Mm. And so that actually was what illuminated my world. And I went into independent shops and I started looking at the machines and seeing what could be done. And then all of a sudden, what was most fascinating to me is for the longest time, I really thought I was a really poor sewer. I liked what I did, but it never came out the way I thought it should. You know, and part of that certainly is technique, but a huge part of it, once I got a good sewing machine, was realizing there was the the quality of equipment that was holding me back. Mm -hmm. And so once you have a nice piece of equipment, and it doesn't mean you have to spend billions of dollars, but once you have one you don't have to think about and serves Mm -hmm. your purpose versus you always having to baby it along to make certain it's going to do the buttonhole you need to do the next time around, changes your world. It does. It does. And people, I mean, just even the simplest of tools, right? You know, like, Oh, a yeah. decent decent rotary cutter versus the really inexpensive one you buy because you're not really sure you're going to like right. doing this, you know. Right. Or I, the thing I find fascinating is people will spend billions of dollars on a sewing machine and then they'll buy a really crappy seam ripper. Oh. I'm like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to use that every day of your life, likely. Right. Go <laughs> get a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, no, no, I have to save money. You know, that's <laughs> like, get, get the... Uh, right. So, so when you when you went into the shop and you somebody showed you all this marvelous buttonholes, you know, um, you ended up buying. Was it that shop? <laughs> yeah, that's this a good way to crazy. put it. Yeah, indeed. I walked in the door to buy a sewing machine and I bought the shop. Yeah. A few years later, indeed. Yeah. Well, oh. it was certainly not on my trajectory. I had no intention <laughs> of doing retail. Um, but what had happened is that the owners had won a cruise, you know, they had sold a whole bunch of sewing machines. They were going on a cruise and they asked, and I had started making friends with them because I kind of liked hanging out with them. Mm-hmm. And they asked me one day if I'd watch the shop for a week. And I said, no, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, well, we're going away. We just need somebody to watch the shop. I'm like, well, that's cool. I don't do retail, but thank you very much. Yeah. And then I came in a few days later and they asked me again. I was like, no. And there happened to be another customer in the shop at the same time who was a friend of theirs. And she came up to me afterwards. She goes, if you don't watch the shop, I have to. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, so? Right. So I finally acquiesced and I said, fine, I'll watch the shop. And I absolutely loved it. And wow. the reason is because people who walk in the door of the sewing shop walk in because they want to. They have mm-hmm. some creative endeavor they're trying to in, you know, engage in. And it's just an amazing experience. And the other thing is everybody in the world sews. And so the collection and collective of community is just amazing. And I just found that just intoxicating. Mm-hmm. Now, where um, was the shop located? The shop is still in Santa Monica. It's been there since 1955, believe it or not. Wow. So yeah. in that area, there's a different vibe of makers than maybe a small town would have, you know, because you have a lot of industry type things and a lot of theater and a lot of movies and all that kind of stuff. Um, were those type of people coming into the, to the shop? Oh, absolutely. We had, you know, the one thing about sewing is like I said, it just cross pollinates everything. So mm-hmm. you'd have a doctor sitting next to, you know, a firefighter sitting next to a student sitting next to somebody who's working in industry, who's, you know, a person trying to do um, a quilt for their, child you know that mm. everybody walked in the door and still does mm. so uh, when and you so by virtue 
Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> and certainly by virtue of proximity, we have a lot of industry folks who come in looking for work to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you, okay, so I, I, there's a couple of things. So we, have, we don't have to rush, but there's a couple of things I want to be sure I get in. But I thought this might be a good time to ask you, you know, you, did you do any um, sort of fun, interesting projects, commissioned work, or have somebody come into the shop that was, you know, well-known that, that all of us might have heard of? You know, like those kind of things. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, one thing, remind, it reminds me many years ago, and she hears this funny thing, she'll giggle. Um, but somebody was signing up for a beginning sewing class. And so I said, hi, Ms. Russell, how can I help you? I'd like to sign for a beginning sewing class. I'm like, well, let's get your information. So she gave me your information. And I said, and your first name? She goes, Molly. And I said, as in Ringwald? And she said, yes. Oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, like, yes, as in Molly Ringwald. I'm like, oh, oh hi there. Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, real and so she too. was one of, yeah, real people and really nice people. You know, like I said, everybody sews. And by a virtue of proximity and our, you know, reputation and stuff, a lot of people showed up and continue to show up. It was just great fun. So you also did a few commission pieces. Did they end up anywhere um, like on movies or TV or print? Oh, yeah, we did quite a bit of that stuff, believe it or not. And it, the funny thing about industry is it just kind of shows up. Mm-hmm. And it needs it yesterday. Um, <laughs> and I like things that are, I like a challenge. Mm-hmm. And so many people turn things away simply because of time constraints or just the uh, uh, inability to do something. Mm-hmm. And so we had a lot of those kinds of opportunities show up. So uh, first thing, you know, one time I got, remember the movie, The Descendants? I think it's mm-hmm. like seven or eight years ago. Anyway, there was a quilt that was featured in it. And then the Oscars were coming up and they happened to, you know, shoot here in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have the original quilt, so they needed a another quilt made up of it. So they oh. called me on Monday, and they <laughs> said, um, we need to have this. They sent me a really bad picture of it. <laughs> they said, we need to have this quilt, and we need to have it by Thursday. Oh. Can you do that? I'm like, by Thursday, what time on Thursday? <laughs> and they said, 9.30 in the morning. And I'm going, yes, mm-hmm. I can have it done. Mm-hmm. So at 8.45 on Thursday morning, I finished that quote, the last part of the binding, and handed it off to him at 9.30 and went home to bed. Oh, my goodness. Zoom, zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like oh, quilt yeah. market. <laughs> it's like the trade show. <laughs> Very shows. much like quilt market. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, times. The time doesn't change of the event, so. <laughs> no, exactly. Curtain yeah. up is curtain up. Yep. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code PODCAST at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I am talking to Russell Conti, and his website is SoPBox.com. So, Russell, tell me about quilting. When you bought that shop and you ended up with machines and fabric and all kinds of stuff, there were quilters showing up. Did you know how to quilt yet? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> I had made my first quilt before that. I'd made one for my mother, but I just, you know, I went and bought a book at the local bookstore. I went to one of the, you know, big chain stores to buy a little nickel-sized rotary cutter, and I cut out my templates and made it my mother's quilt, and she finally got it when she was 53. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, for me, uh, when I bought the shop, it was machines and repairs only. It had a few classes and a couple, few notions, and then we decided we were going to bring in fabrics and classes and all this other stuff. And so once I started bringing fabrics, and all of a sudden the quilters started showing up and started asking questions. Mm. And I was like, great. <laughs> and so I pulled one of my quilting instructors aside one day, and I said, you know what? I need to know everything there is about quilting now. Because <laughs> I had been, been done, done a lot of fashion. I was like, well, it's just quilting, right? And mm-hmm. that's what people say about fashion, too. It's just mm-hmm. fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of a sudden, by virtue of that, I became the instant expert, and I just kept you know, mowing through it until I was reasonably proficient. Now, you set up, you know, a lot of teaching there, and now you, yeah. you've since sold the shop, and now you're a full-time professor. Um, but when you were in there, and you decided to build all these teaching classes, was teaching sort of your passion? <laughs> no. It was the last thing in the world I thought I'd ever do. Um, <laughs> frankly, I just wasn't you sure have- I liked people well enough. You have a lot of those, Russell. You're like, I never thought I'd own a shop. That's like, <laughs> No, exactly. You know, I tell people all the time, if, you, if people had told me 20 years ago, or actually two years ago, <laughs> what yeah. I'd be doing today, and that has been my entire life. I just think if, you know, if you let, if you let the universe play with you, I mean, it, it's, it's happy to dance. Mm-hmm. So, um, but in any event, uh, no, I never pl- intended to teach. I just it was not in my cards for that. But, and then all of a sudden people kept asking me to teach. And frankly, I think more than anything else, it was just my intimidation because I was completely self-taught. Mm-hmm. What did I know that somebody else couldn't figure out from a book? And it never occurred to me that you would take a class for something like sewing. Mm-hmm. And so people kept asking me and hammering me about it. And I finally said, okay, fine. And then um, I realized what I really liked about the whole retail environment was really the educational part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's what rocks my boat every day. I love it. Um, and, I mean, I am the luckiest man in the world to be able to do what I do full time now, um, teaching people how to do what they love. And you're teaching fashion now. Is that right? Yeah, I'm teaching, yeah, I'm teaching fashion. I'm teaching men's pattern drafting and tailoring. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's oh, wow. It's heady. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> well, give me a couple of tips here for somebody who just, you know, the average person who feels like they want to teach somebody, but they get that intimidation feel, like you were saying, you know, like, oh, I've never taught. I, you know, they could figure it out themselves. You know, what are just a couple of things that they could do? Well, the first, and for, first thing I learned about it was simply for myself is to realize all you needed to do was be a step ahead. Mm-hmm. And it has to be a legitimate step. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're not uh, trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes, right. people are really conciliatory. And mm-hmm. so just a step ahead. And if I found I was falling a step behind, then that next week I crammed. So I'd be prepped for the next time. And every time, you, it's not always going to be perfect. And it's not always going to be exactly what you want. But that's like every quilt you ever made or every garment, right? Mm-hmm. And so you just keep, you keep growing and you move forward with it. And so I would say that's the first thing. Just, you simply need to be a step ahead. The other thing is you really have to like people. 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not a people person and you don't like people, it's going to be really hard to teach because mm-hmm. um, people will push every button you didn't know you had. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing I did learn by teaching is that when people, because people come up to me all the time, they go, gosh, you're so patient. And what I realized about that is patience is simply the ability not to say what you're thinking. <laughs> I learned to keep my mouth shut and just, you know, walk away when I needed to walk away. But I'm also, you know, I'm really passionate about it and I know other people are really passionate about it. So you just have to find a means to actually engage people. The other thing I would say is you don't need to be an expert, right? Like I said, just a step ahead. Um, Expertise comes with time, you know, and then the other thing I was uh, teaching, (laughs) what I learned also going to university or any other kind of institution where you're working more full time, it's a lifestyle choice. It's not a job, Mm -hmm. right? It's, right. it, it happens from the moment I wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night. Um, I love it and I'm grateful for it, but it's one of those things I'm also uh, hyper aware of now. It's just simply that, you know, when you look at teachers and we think of it as a job, oh my gosh, no, teachers are not just working jobs. Mm-hmm. They are living their lifestyle choice and it's a long day. It, yeah, I can't imagine. I've not done it ever full time like that, but it takes a lot of energy, but you get into a groove. I imagine when it is full time oh, versus... Absolutely. When you're doing spurts of it, when you have, it's like your second, like for me, my teaching is like my second job, you know, because I do Mm -hmm. other things. Um, It must be very fulfilling for you now to just be able to dive into that's, that's your full day. It is. And um, just to be clear, though, I'm, I am part-time at the Mm. the university at this point. Uh, So it does open me up for other things because being the person that I am, I love to do a lot of different things. And mm-hmm. so teaching is one of those things, but I also love, I still love designing. I still love pattern draft, you know, making my own things. Mm-hmm. And I love doing all kinds of different things. So that just opens me up probably likely by spring or next fall, then my, my schedule will tighten up because when you were talking about shoemaking, that's something we're actually bringing to the university and I'll start teaching that as well. Uh, so being a creative person, what um, got you interested in making shoes and learning how to make shoes? I don't know exactly. Although I just, you know, if you look at my closet, uh, I should be embarrassed. I'm not, but I should be. Um, and when we remodeled our house, we had to remodel it so that there was room for my shoes. Oh. Um, but I remember years ago, there was a shoe. I, had, I was dancing professionally. I wanted to go take a tap class and I wanted some nice tap shoes. So I needed to have taps put on my new shoes. And they recommend this place, you know, out in the boondocks. And so I went to this place out in the boondocks and the man was remarkable. And he says, it's going to take me a few weeks. He says, I'm really behind. I'm short of staff. And I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, in another world, what I wouldn't do to make shoes. And so, yeah. um, but what the opportunity came up, a friend of mine had told me about some woman who was making boots and teaching making boots in mm-hmm. Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was like, really? And so oh. the next day I emailed her. A couple of weeks later, she finally answered the email saying, oh, yeah, I oh. teach. And so we got together for 10 days, and it was, it was just, wow. oh, I can't, the word intoxicating is not, doesn't describe it. It mm-hmm. was hard work. It was 100 hours over two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say anybody can make one shoe. Making two, that's the yard, right, because mm-hmm. you've got to make the match. Mm-hmm. But, gosh, working with your hands in that kind of environment, it, it, there was just something about it that was just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And working with leather is an amazing, you know, is an amazing medium as well. It's just got mm-hmm. its own um, character altogether. Yeah. Well, when we were uh, this summer, when you and I were at the one of the Baby Lock event, and we went over, to, we went to the opera, the whole group, and you and I were in the gift shop, oh, yeah. and we we were we were both eyeing the what were they leather bags, weren't they? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at how they're made. See, now you could make them. I could just be like, I could make those out of cotton. It's like. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, you can also make a purchase. I think that's equally valid. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> I, I totally love that idea. This just works for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you are um, with Baby Lock. You're working right now with some of the new machines and, and you have, yeah. um, which one are you working with? I am working with the new uh, Baby Lock Accomplice. It's part of the new Genuine Collection. And, oh, my gosh, she's remarkable. She is, they're never taking her away from me. She is, she is mine. <laughs> Yours forever <laughs> yeah, and I work, day. <laughs> exactly. Well, I work in, the, you know, in a fashion school, and everybody wants an industrial machine. They're industrial, industrial, industrial. I'm like, why do you need an industrial machine? It takes up a lot of real estate. You know, it goes fast. You never sell that fast. Mm-hmm. And so the Baby Lock Accomplished, being semi-industrial, being the same kind of format on a portable basis, and I can sew any kind of fabric on it from charmeuse to leather, and it sews fast, and it's got a needle threader and a scissor cut and great tension and a beautiful stitch, you know, I'm happy. And if I don't need her out, I can plug her away and put her somewhere else versus having all that real estate committed to a huge machine that I, I really, you know, outside of straight stitch, I don't need that much real estate. Right. And a lot of people don't have a lot of workspace. I mean, like professionally, I've taken over my family room and most of the rest of the house. Right. But this is, you know, not everybody <laughs> can not everybody can do that. You know, so correct. Uh, yeah, exactly. you, know, you, you want to be able to put things away. Um, so that what is the throat space on that one, Russell? Gosh, it's almost 10 inches wide from the needle. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm sorry, maybe nine inches. I might be saying that incorrectly, but either way, it's a lot. And it's almost six inches of vertical space to the right of the needle. Yeah. So you're never going to get bogged down in fabric at all around the needle. It's just amazing. And then having that side load bobbin gives a really beautiful stitch quality. Mm-hmm. Um, it's quiet, too. I was so surprised at how quiet she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the feet are, I mean, they're really narrow and tight. And the feed dogs, which, you know, a lot of people don't think too much about the feed dogs, but mm-hmm. it's a huge part of the sewing machine. And they are close together and very tight. I, I mean, I can't say nice, enough nice things about how pleased I am with it. Wonderful. That is so, so cool. So tell me, I think we only have a little bit of time left. So what is a project that you have coming up? Now, you mentioned there you'll be doing more things with shoes, but do you have something else that you're exploring or another part of your business that you're doing? Oh, gosh. Well, now, you know, I sold the shop back in June of 2017, so it's just been a whole new exploration of myself. And, you know, in some kind, some sense, not reinventing myself, but mm-hmm. exploring those things that I had to put on the burner for a while. So I'm doing a lot of sewing. I'm doing a lot of pattern drafting, doing a lot of work with menswear. I tended to focus a lot in womenswear when I'm teaching um, out, you know, during my shop days. Um, mm-hmm. But now we're getting much more into that. Um, and I'm developing a lot of new course material. So that's that's my biggest thing is just building a lot of course material and building all the support material for it. Mm. Yeah, so that's, for instance, it, my pattern drafting, my pattern drafting class, I came into it and I needed to you know, draft, develop all the, all the written materials. There weren't any there for me to um, rely upon myself. So, but not a big deal. I enjoy that too. Well, Russell, this has been so exciting to spend time this afternoon getting to, you know, hear about the work that you do, and you have great tips for teaching. I mean, this is, uh, I think anybody can teach, really. I really think so, too. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a dearth of good teachers out there, um, and 
there's a whole bunch of people who want to learn. And the one thing about the new maker craze, which I think is amazing, is so many people want to learn mm -hmm. and so many people think they can learn online. And you can do a, an incredible amount of basic understanding online. However, when you start to realize, when you read all the things that um, people write about how they learn how to sew, it's a, it's a passed down art mm -hmm. from person to person to person. There's nothing like having a master in front of you or somebody who is well-educated showing you how to do what you're spending hours trying to figure out online or in front of your machine by, you know, hitting your head against the wall. Right. And I'm a big advocate of, you know, backing into things. But if you can find somebody who can help you out, hey, mm -hmm. all the better. Well, I appreciate you being here and having time to, to chat. Uh, everybody can visit uh, Russell at SoPbox.com. And you're on Facebook and Instagram, right? And just so you're aware, that's a soapbox because I'm always on my soapbox about there sewing. There you go. <laughs> kind of like my church. <laughs> there you go. Now, if I said soap, they would be finding a different website. So. <laughs> exactly. True. That's right. Well, thank you, Russell. Thank you, Pat. You have a great day now. You too. This is American bye -bye. Patchwork. Bye-bye. This is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. Uh, I want you to know that we have a lot of things going on over on our Facebook group, so you can be coming out to mine, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan, and American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine has their UFO group, which is in full blow. We're back in September, so there's a lot of new UFOs being um, noted that they will be finishing. And so that's always a good thing. And I've got my sew along for Mary and Bright. So you want to uh, follow along. Hi, all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.